<laughs> God is good. All the time. Alright, God is good. And all the time. Amen. I want to thank you uh, for the privilege. Am I on? I don't, did I even cut this thing on? I don't know. But anyway, you can tell me in a minute. Y'all hear me? Uh, but anyway, uh, he is good, and I'm thankful to be here uh, today. I always counted a privilege any time that I can break open the bread of life and share God's eternal words and knowing that he changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and will be forevermore. Amen. There's a lot that is changing in our country, a lot changing in our communities. God help us as so much has changed in our churches, but I promise you today, God's not confused about who we are or who we're to be. Amen. Uh, even though our government, our nation, and a lot of our leaders today uh, ignore the very existence of his word and what it means and what we have been founded on, I am still a part of the church and we are a people of strength. Amen. I don't need a crutch as far as in my spiritual life. Amen. Now, for long, because of my knees and uh, this arthritis junk they say that I have and all the stuff that it is doing, you know, I might get there one day. I hope he takes me home before I do because I don't want to use crutches. Do y'all? Any y'all? Some of y'all may be on crutches. But God's good anyway. Amen. Uh, but I am thankful uh, to be here today. And some of my uh, most pleasant and greatest times in my life in my family's life, I've been right here in West Helen, Arkansas. Now, when you tell people about this place, they are quick to disagree for some reason. I don't quite get that. It's funny. I was stopped at the bank a Friday evening, and a lady there by the name of Tammy Prince, her husband is Johnny Prince. Some of you may have seen him. He's played on Pooh Sharp. He's played on ESPN and tournaments. That's pretty much how he's made his living. He played down here at the Island Capri over across, ain't that the name of that place still? I didn't know, I figured they changed it. But anyway, and she told me, she says, uh, she was asking me, she said, you got you to gotta work this weekend? I said, yeah, half a day anyway. And I said, but then I'm going to Arkansas. And she asked me what part. And I told her, and she said, oh, me. And I looked at her, and I said, you know about Helena, West Helena? She said, oh, yeah. Said Johnny had a pool tournament down there, and we stayed over in Helena, is what she called it. And that may be the way you're supposed to pronounce it, but I, you know, I'm from Alabama, all right? That's like the people who wrote these lyrics to these songs. They, they ain't from the South. But anyway, uh, but long story short, she said, We stayed over there in a hotel, and she said, I didn't sleep all night. And I said, Really? Why? She said, that place was messed up. <laughs> anyway, she talked about, she felt like I was, I was in danger the whole time. I said, no, God's good. I said, we lived down there three years. And she began to describe places. place. She said, you lived there? And I said, yeah, and the greatest time in my life was right here. really was. I'm going to share this. And don't, listen, y'all don't start looking. You know, I still don't wear one. Y'all know that, right? Uh, but anyway, I preached a few weeks back. At Victory Baptist, that's where we're attending at this time. I'm uh, uh, part of the men's ministry there. I teach a group of men, and and uh, I just don't get along with women. That's the reason I ain't preaching women. All right, I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway, got a good group of men that love the Lord. Uh, prayer warriors, they're praying right now as we speak for you, for this church, for this very service. And uh, we've got a great pastor there. I'm part of the outreach and children's ministry and involved in different ways. I'm pulpit supplying, still preaching in different places. And uh, when God opens uh, uh, the door. and uh, But anyway, a few weeks ago I was preaching. And I have so missed this place for uh, so many years. Even when I went to First Baptist uh, Lexington there and... Uh, uh, was there for two years, left there, it was four and a half years at Oklahoma, about four and a half years at uh, Suffer Springs. I've never enjoyed the ministry as much as I did here. Never have. And uh, I always wondered why. And I've asked that question uh, uh, many a times. I still have our church directory. Y'all remember when we did that? And uh, it's out in my shed there with a lot of my 
stuff that I have that I don't want nobody messing with, and they don't go out there much. And uh, anyway, I pull it out from time to time and look through it and pray for it, lift you up. When I do that, and it gets tough when I do it for some reason. But when I was preaching, I always asked the Lord, I said, God, why? Why is it that I still have such a hard time? And he answered it about, about four weeks ago. And I preached on fellowship on Wednesday night. Didn't even know I was going to be preaching that Wednesday night. The pastor said I got called out. He said, I'd like for you to preach this Wednesday uh, for me. And uh, I said, all right, we're at a real growing church. God's just blessing it and amazing testimony last two years during COVID when so many churches were closing the door. Our giving doubled. Our, our attendance doubled. God just blessed people being saved and, and just uh, God doing a, a great work and uh, uh so thankful to be a, be a part of that. But anyway, I preached on fellowship, and I began to study, and I began to study. And, you know, fellowship, the Bible still says, neglect not, to forsake not uh, the assembling of Christ. Amen? It's a sin to be out of church, period. People trying to justify all that by code, it's still sin. Amen? Can I get a witness? I understand. I'm, you know, y'all know I'm going to preach the truth. Uh, because even after I leave, truth still stands. Amen? So it's still a sin to be out, and that's where we all need to be. And, and anyway, when I was preaching and teaching there, right in the middle of the message, boom, God just, I mean, laid the hammer down on me. It's still hard to do that? Still good? Uh, anyway, so uh, some places it's not. Some people told me to calm down in some of the places I went and preached. I couldn't believe that. But anyway... Uh, but God's still good. He's still on his throne, and I still get excited about Christ. And so anyway, and he's still in the saving business. And in the middle of that message, I mean, it just I just broke down. And uh, I told the church, I said, God just answered something for me that I've been searching for for over 17 years. What I missed the most was the fellowship. It wasn't the place. Wasn't this building? There's a fellowship that we have. Now I can't wait till we get to heaven. Amen. And that's where perfect fellowship's going to be. So I felt like I need to share that. But now, being that uh, said, if you will take your Bibles this morning and turn over to the book of Ecclesiastes. I prayed about what to preach uh, this week and and uh, thinking about uh, uh, God has kind of put a message over on my heart. Uh, the last uh, three or four months, and it's changed some, and and uh, I just want to come today to encourage you in the Lord, but also I want to challenge you, and I pray that God's conviction would fall upon this uh, service in such a way that when we leave here today, uh, maybe we leave with a newfound perspective or a newfound challenge to that which God wants us to uh, to be and to live up to. We have a covenant name as the people of God, as Christians to live up to, as well as live by. Would you all agree with that? Do you remember when Jesus was walking through and Nathan, he was up under a tree, Jesus seen him, and Jesus made this statement about him. He said, a true Israelite indeed. Do you remember that statement? When you look at the scripture, what he was saying was, that's a man that's truly living up to his covenant name. And my question I have for you today is this. Are you living up to your covenant name? Christian, the word Christian means basically fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Now, notice what I did not say. I didn't say the church or what the community wants you to do or what the government wants you to do or what mom and dad wants you to do. I'm talking about what the Word of God teaches and what the Word of God says. I want you to know today I'm proud to be a believer. Amen. Y'all ain't proud of that? Somebody smile, please. I am proud. I mean, they don't want us to be. They tell us we shouldn't be because the things in which we stand for and the things to which we are to stand against. Amen. And But I'm telling you, I, when I go to places, wherever it is, and when people start talking about Christianity, I give my ear to it. I want to know what they're saying. And I am very quick to interrupt conversation. Still today. And I'll tell them real quick, hey, that ain't what the Bible teaches. 
That ain't what the Bible says about me. I'm telling you who I am. I'm just old redneck. It still has struggles. I still have problems. I still find myself in situations and circumstances to which I wished I was not in or would be in, wish I could hurry up and get out of. But yet in the midst of all that, I'm still loved by God. I still love God. And if I die today, I know without a shadow of a doubt where I'm going to spend my eternity. You can't change it because you didn't give it to me. Amen. And I'm proud to be a believer. Are y'all proud? Are you proud of your name out there on the church sign out there? You know, a lot of people today, you ask where you go to church, they go, well, I go to Victory Baptist. What? Be proud of it. Amen. Like somebody's kind of shame because you're part of a church. God's coming back soon. Y'all believe that? I believe that with all my heart. Well, Ecclesiastes, if you would stand for the reading of God's word, not in reverence to me, but in reverence and respect unto him. And I'm going to start in chapter 1. If you don't know where it is, just go to Psalm, Proverbs, and there's Ecclesiastes. The Bible says the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. When you read that, he's basically given different titles to whom he is. All these positions he has fulfilled in life. But then he makes this statement in verse 2. Vanities of vanities, saith the preacher, vanities of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? And in verse 4 he makes this statement, an astounding statement, a truthful statement. Our generation passes away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. The sun also ariseth, and the sun goeth down, and hastens to his place where he arose. The wind goeth toward the south, and turneth about unto the north. It whirleth about continually, and the wind returneth again according to its circuits. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Anybody explain that? Unto the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. I mean, everybody's come on something new, ain't they? It ain't new. It's just bottled up, fashioned a little, little bit different, promoted in a different way, give a little different color, a little different word, but it's still the same thing. Is there anything whereof it may be said, See, this is new. It hath been already of old time, which was before us. There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day, this time that you have allotted us to come together, and what a privilege it is to be in your house with your people. Father, I don't have the ability to look into a person's heart, neither do they that of mine. But God, your word says you know our hearts. We don't even know our hearts, but you do. And God, you know the work that needs to take place within our lives, within our hearts. And Father, only you can do that through the empowering of your spirit, through the word of your, your word, God. And if we, as your people, are willing to accept the truths into our life and be changed more into your likeness, not into mine, not in what the church wants, but what you have so commanded in your word. I pray today, Father, for it be one here that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, regardless of age, regardless of where they live, regardless of what their name is, or their education, Father, if they do not know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray this day would be the day of salvation. They would know what it means to be saved and escape the horrors of hell and experience the free pardon of sin. God, would you do that work this day? Would you unite and do the work only you can do in believers' hearts? And we'd be so careful to give you the praise for it. We love you, and it's your name we ask and pray. Amen. Well, if you're going to put me on the clock, you can be seated. You can do that now. <laughs> uh, God's so good. He really is. When you begin to look at this passage of Scripture and you study this book, I'll just give you a, just a, a little bit of background. You know, I preached in a lot of books through Scripture. I remember the first book I preached here. Y'all remember the first book that I preached through here? First Timothy. 
Y'all remember the second book that I preached through? Philippians. You know the third book that I preached through here? The Gospel of John, not the Gospel of John, but Joshua. You know what the fourth book, when we left, I was preaching through when we was here? John. I remember it all. See, y'all don't remember nothing. See, things, what? They pass away, right? In this passage of Scripture, when you look at the book of Ecclesiastes, in which he tells in this, even in this passage of Scripture, he's talking about everything on this side of the sun, everything on this side of eternity, everything on this side of glory. He's talking about his life. And he begins in this chapter 1, he begins to state who he is. He said, I'm a preacher. One is to proclaim the gospel. I've had the call of God on my life, but I'm also the son of David, that king, that is probably the most dysfunctional man in all the word of God, but yet God's word still said he's a man after who? God's own heart. Amen. Are you a person after God's own heart this morning? Where are you at in your life with Christ this morning? I don't know the answer to that, and it's not really important that I do, but it is important that you do. Amen. It is. If you witnessed anybody this week, I witnessed to somebody this morning. That ain't no pat on my back. I should have done it last night, but she was still there this morning. You know that people are still lost today. I asked her a question. If you die today, do you know where you're going to spend your eternity? You know what she said? I don't really know. You know what I told her? You can. Amen. The Bible says he's written these things that you may know that you have eternal life. Anyway, I shared with her. She's a nice girl. Showed her the scripture. Told her. Anyway, she didn't trust this morning, but I believe she will. You know why? Because God's word will not return void. Amen. But anyway, when you look at this passage of Scripture, he begins to talk about, you know, I'm the son of David, a man after God's own heart. My dad was. Does it say that he is? Not to some extent it does. But then he makes this. He said, I'm also the king of Jerusalem. I filled all these positions. I've had all these titles. I've had all these ranks I've had. But yet he makes the statement, but all is vanity Solomon began to evaluate and to examine all his achievements and all his accomplishments as far as to life. And he said, you know what? It means nothing. It's empty. He began to compare what he had done and the things that he accomplished and achieved compared to eternity. Now, I want you to do something for me this morning or with me this morning. Right now, wherever we're at in life this very moment, all the things that you are doing, all the activities, the time to which you're spending, and that whichever you're doing, the money that you're spending, whatever you're giving that to, I mean, everything that you're associated in your life right now, how much of that time, how much of that effort, how much of that ability, all those things, your talents, whatever they may, how much of that is actually being given to Christ Jesus, our Lord, for his work and for his kingdom? I would dare say that most people today, they're building big fancy houses, and there ain't nothing wrong with my daughter. Is. You believe my daughter's building an $850,000 house? That's crazy, ain't it? She got it mad at me because I wouldn't do it. I ain't building that. But anyway, that's beside the point. Y'all don't go back and say nothing about that, all right? Y'all good? She's already mad at me. But God's good, amen? She said, we got a bunch of kids, and we think about having some more. I said, quit, please. But anyway, God's good, amen? But anyway, but people are living so much. Like you're going to be here forever. We ain't church. He's coming soon. Amen. Y'all believe that? But so many people are living their life like they're going to be here tomorrow. I'm going to tell you something. You may not be here tomorrow. You may not be here tonight. My sister called me on the way down here. She said, you know what, the lady that works with me? I said, yes, I do. She's 35 years old. Her husband's 39. A practicing atheist. He went into the shower. Just to take a shower. Had a heart attack. Died. You know what I told her? I said, you know what? He's in hell today. And he ain't going to never leave. He's going to burn forever and ever. What are we spending our time doing? Well, when you look at this passage of Scripture, one thing I'm going to key on this morning, and the subject and title is this. Make your life count. Why you can't. I don't care how old you are. You may say, well, I'm 80 years old. And? Well, I'm just 10 years old. And? Well, I'm 30. And? I'm going to be 54 this year. Can you believe that? You can see it right here, can't you? Yeah, yeah I was going to say something. And? What's that got to do with it? You can make your life count right now and make it worthy to him.
who saved you by his grace. Amen. And in the end, y'all listen very carefully. I'm fixing to jump off in this, all right? And in the end, that's all that's going to matter. Amen. And ain't going to be what we achieve and what we accomplish on this side of glory. I've got a good business now. We do custom remodeling, renovating. God's richly, say richly, God's blessed it. I keep work for a year, and I'm thankful for that. And I do it right, do it by the book. But you know what? All that don't mean nothing compared to eternity. I ain't doing it for Christ. Amen? It don't matter. So what are you doing doing for Christ? Make your life count. Well, how do you do that? He says in verse 4 here, generation passes, a generation coming. This is going to be the main part of the message this morning. All you that have lived this far, we look at life, it's changed a lot, isn't it? He gives a picture in this passage of Scripture, and I love the ocean. But the picture here is, if you look upon the horizon, you ever look across the ocean, you can't see the other side, there's a beautiful sunset or whatever, and all of a sudden you see this big wave, and the wave started coming in, it claps against the bank, and that wave's gone. You sit there, well, I wonder if the next one's going to be bigger, if it's going to be smaller. Well, that wave come in, guess what? It's gone. The next wave comes in, guess what? It rises, and guess what? It's gone. Well, in this passage of Scripture, Solomon began to evaluate his life. He said, you know, it's like life. But he didn't say, say it in a singular sense as him just as a person, but he put it in a plural sense, meaning a generation to generation. One generation comes, it's gone. The next generation comes, it's gone. The next generation comes, it's gone, and it's over and over like that, and it's been like that for hundreds and hundreds of years. I don't think it's going to be like that much longer. I think Jesus, I'll tell you, I think he's coming. Amen? Well, I know he's coming. It's just a matter of when. I think it will be in my lifetime. I actually believe it will be this year. I'm ready to go. I'm serious when I say this. I ain't making this up. I am ready to go. I don't like this world no more. What about y'all? I don't. didn't say I didn't like you. I didn't say I didn't like people. Some people I don't, but I love them in Christ. But yet, I am ready to go. I mean that with all, all of my heart. I mean that. Are you ready to go? Listen, generation comes, generation, like our life is just but a hiccup in history. But the impact and the influence and the impression that we live upon, leave upon people will only matter if it's compared to eternity. That's what he's getting at. The question is this, if you're going to leave an impact and an impression upon people and you're going to influence people and you read through the book of Ecclesiastes, there's three things I'm going to give you this morning. Don't forget these, okay? You probably will. Even he said people don't even remember the former things that's done. Remember this. If you're going to stand up and be accounted for and you're going to make your life count, you got to do some things. Number one, you ready for this? Stand in the way of sinners. When you go throughout the whole word of God, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, there's been Christians throughout time, as generation is involved to generation to generation to generation, who have stood up and withstood the test of time and that time of their life and said, Thus saith the Lord of God, people are sinners in need of a Savior. Amen? accounts there, but I'll give you one. You remember when Korah, this group of people and 250 renowned men come against Moses and Aaron in the book of Numbers. You remember that? And they come against him and said, Moses, you took too much upon yourself, son. Listen, we want a part of this ministry. Well, you know what? They wasn't ordained by God nor called by God or commissioned by God to hold that position. And Moses, the Bible says, fell upon his face. And he began to, you know what we do? We get mad. Can I get with me? We get mad. See, his focus was on the kingdom. It wasn't on what people thought or said. He fell upon his face and he began to pray. And he said, you know what? This is what we're going to do. On tomorrow, you're going to take your brass censers and we're going to pray. All right, this is what we're going to do. It's kind of like this. We're going to have a little contest. Or we're going to have a little reality check. There's a little such thing as reality TV. Y'all know that, right? But anyway, we're going to have a reality check. That's what we're going to have. And he said, on tomorrow, God's going to show us a new thing, something he ain't never, never done before, and we're going to see who's God's man. Well, they did, and you know what happened, right? The Bible says the earth opened up and fire consumed them. You know what the amazing thing is about that story? On the next day, 
Moses and Aaron were back at the temple. On the next day, the people of God come murmuring. The dirtiest word in the Bible. It means they were complaining, dissatisfied customers of God's wonderful grace. And they come criticizing. They come critiquing. They come complaining against them and said, you have killed the people of God. I said, God, killed them. But anyway, it's almost like Moses, you made the earth open up and fire swallow them up. You did all that. You're responsible for that. You know me? God said, just get out of the way. Let me have my way with them. You know what I'd have done? <laughs> get out of them. You would have too. Don't be spiritual. You know you would have. Come up there accusing you of doing all that. That's because we're focused on here and not over there. The Bible says that Moses and Aaron went up to the mountain and prayed. Moses stayed in the temple and prayed and told Aaron to go quickly into the midst of the people and make an atonement for them. He took down the coals of the offer, which is a picture of intercessory prayer, and he ran into the midst of the people and the plague and stopped started and most scholars believe that it was a plague like that of a, a vapor or smoke. It was just sucking the air out of the lung. That's why they don't say that, but that's what they believe. I don't care how they were getting what we say in our county getting dead, but they were getting dead, all right? That's what was going on. Now I want you to think about something. Y'all with me? All right, still come down here. Right. But anyway, God's good. So listen to me. Some people don't like these videos. They say they can tell. something going on there and it's just like boy their breath is just gone and they're falling out everywhere and, and all of a sudden you're like I ain't going out there I ain't going out no part of that they brought it upon themselves you know they did it God told us to get out of the way but Aaron done what Moses commanded him to do based on what God had told Moses to do Long before that, if you go back and study, him being a leader. And he went out, and the Bible says that he stood between the living and the dead. He stood in the gap. You know, there's people today still standing in the gap. Amen? Listen, there's a world out there, the Bible says, that's brokenhearted, it's held captive. Said, preach recovery of sight to the blind, poor in spirit. There's people that are hurting. There's people that are broken. Their lives are in shambles. Their life has been tore apart by sin. And regardless of how that came or where they're at in life, that's just where they're at. And there's people inside the church house that see it going on and said, you know what? They brought it upon themselves through drugs. They brought it upon themselves through alcohol. They brought it upon themselves through their hypocrisy or self-righteousness or self-centeredness. And they just go on and on with all the excuses about why where they at instead of saying, asking this question. What can I do to go out and stand in their way? Because the Bible says the broadest way to lead their destruction and the narrowest way if you find it. What can I do to stand in the way of sinners? People are dying and going to hell every day, church. Every day. And it's an hypocrisy that is set in within the church that says, you know what? The church is here. If they want to come, let them come. I have family members that have died and are in hell today that I will never see in the last 15 years. I have a friend. His name, I won't mention it because we're on, but anyway, for a reason. But anyway, I have a friend. I was out running, believe it or not, six years ago. I run a 10K and won it. You know, I believe it. Things have changed. It's called five surgeries. But anyway, God's good. But I want to tell you something. He stopped me one day. I went to school and we played baseball together. I was running. He stopped me. He said, hey, man, how you doing? I ain't seen him in a while. Got to talking to him. He was there. He was about, he was lit. Y'all know what that means down here too, right? <laughs> well, I know you do. But anyway, I get to talk to him. He left. And in that moment, you know what? I had a witness for him. Stephen and me. A few weeks later, he overdosed. Well, he was drinking. Boy, he went to college, you know, we were playing baseball. 
I'm supposed to win. I waited. I procrastinated. You don't want that on. Friends. Death is no respecter of persons. Satan hates you, your family, your friends. He has this world blind, especially right now. I ain't never seen a time in a nation like this right now. Let me give you just something real quick before we go to the next point. Hell's still real. There's a horror in hell that you don't want to know. I got to thinking just the other day, you know that man who asked to just touch his tongue? Just touch it with dampness. Just touch it with water. I would have thought to myself, if I was there, you know what I'm thinking? Which I ain't going. Can't. Even if I wanted to now, which I wouldn't. I'd have asked for a gallon of water, a bucket of water, a barrel of water. I'd have asked for the whole ocean. I would have asked for a glass or even four ounces or an ounce. He didn't ask that. He just asked for a touch. That's a horrible place. Oh, yeah. Teenagers go there. Young adults go there. Mom and dads go there. Brothers and sisters go there. Sons and daughters go there. Granddaughters and grandsons go there. Grandmas and grandpas go there. Great-grandmas and grandpas go there. There's no respect of who you are or who your family is. There ain't no hope without Christ. Stand in the way. Compel them to come to Christ. Pray for him. Amen. Prayer still moves the hand that moves the world. Y'all believe that? Pray for him. Praise God. You remember when old Paul and Silas went to jail? They didn't have a pity because where they was at and all the circumstances in, they just began to sing whatever he did. Solid rock. Victory in Jesus is what I think they sung back then. We just wrote it later. We didn't get that out of the past scripture one hour ago. But still, yet, they began to praise the Lord. And because of that, that old jailer, he was going to kill himself. Now what Paul said, son, don't be doing all that. Don't get all crazy right now. God loves you. He'll save you. But not only he'll save you, he'll save you and your household. And they got saved. Do you all believe that? Amen. It is pray, 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 don't stop. Praise, praise, don't stop and keep proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. When's the last time that you took somebody to the side and said, Hey, if you die today, do you know where you're going to spend your eternity? When is it? People ain't going to get saved without hearing the gospel. You ain't going to have no power in your witness. If you don't pray, if you don't pray for them, the Holy Spirit ain't going to be working like he would when he honors prayer. Amen? And just praise God as you do it. Have fun in it. Yeah, people are going to get mad. They still pop beers in your faces. I Believe me, they do. <laughs> they still slam the doors in your faces. Believe me, they do. You wouldn't know that if you ain't never shared with somebody. Staying in the way of sinners. I'm going to be quick with the last two. Y'all ain't ready to go home yet. I ain't. Y'all ain't, are you? I know some of you may be. I've had 150-something people get up and walk out on me one time at Union Mission, so it don't bother me because I call a bunch of folks spiritual pretenders. Can you believe that? Four people got saved that night, oh. Amen. Say, I ain't preaching to y'all. I'm preaching to the audience of one because he's the only one I'm going to have to answer to. And if I leave here and don't preach what I'm supposed to, I ain't going to make that ride back to Alabama. That's going to hurt. <laughs> God's so good. Amen. Stay out of the way of the Savior. What? John chapter 3, verse 30. Astounding statement. Astounding statement. He must increase, but I must decrease. Remember what John the Baptist said? Remember what Paul said, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. And he was, wasn't he? He said, I didn't shun to declare the whole counsel of God's word, and that's what we're to do. And stand in the way of sinners, but we've got to stay out of the way of Savior. You know, some people can't serve the Lord unless they have a tithe.
takes honoring God's word. Why are you serving today? I hope it's for eternity. Amen. Sometimes you just got to get out of the way of the Savior and let him do his work. You ever tried to save somebody? Oh, yeah. Try to overly convince them? Oh, yeah. I have. And had to go back and repent of it. But you know one thing I have learned, Brother Steve, over the years? Sometimes God just says, you know what? You're just a mouthpiece for me, son. That's all you are. I saved you for a vessel to be used for my glory. And it's some things that only I can do in your eye and in my eye. So just move out, share, and let me do my thing. And the more I do that, the more I see God work. Amen? Then I'm going to close with this. I don't want to, but I am. I really don't want to. Y'all believe that, right? <laughs> and then the last thing. Stand ready to go. So what do you mean? You know, when Paul made a statement, I'm innocent. Paul made a lot of statements, didn't he? Astounding statements. I'm innocent of the blood of all men. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, to present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not transformed to this world, but be conformed by the renewing of your mind. He made a lot. All that I may know him, the fellowship of his suffering, the power of his resurrection, being conformed to his death. I don't want to stop. I'm going to be quoting it all day. It's a lot of statements that he made. It's astounding statements. And you know the one that sticks out to me the most? And I think this was the motivation that we all must have to fulfill those two that I've just talked about. Standing away of sinners, being a witness that God wants us to be, through prayer, praise, and proclaim. He must increase, but I must decrease through humility and honoring his word and their obedience. And last, and he made this statement, and he will live as Christ. He can die in prison. Now how could Paul say that? He was in prison. You remember that? Y'all don't remember nothing I've preached before. Y'all remember the example I preached through Philippians. I actually remember the message that I preached. And the night that I preached it. I used my grandmother Bracken as a, an example. God, one of the godliest ladies I've ever met. She was so influential in my life. I'm in the ministry today because of her prayer. She's dead and gone. I'll be with her one day. Get to see her. One day, get to hug her mm, neck one day and thank her to her face. I think she already knows. That's just me. Stand ready to go. When we go out and live our life out here, people should not see it as that we're going to be here forever because the Bible says that we're strangers and pilgrims in this land. We're not homesteaders. Our address has changed. Come on, amen. Our address has changed. Now we're ambassadors for Christ, or that's what we're supposed to be, here while we're on this earth. We ain't going to be here Compare us to generation generations here comes history anyway. That's just a brief time. I mean, don't live it up. Live for him. Amen. That's what we're to do. But yet, when you think about this, when Paul made that statement, even prior to that, he said to the church, I'm betwixt between the two. I'm kind of torn. If I stay here, it's going to be far better for the church. It's going to be more soul saved. But bless God if I go. Hallelujah. I'm going to be with Jesus. Amen. And it's all going to be over. It's all going to be behind me. And I'm going to be in eternity for forever rest in paradise in the midst of my Savior walking the streets of gold, breathing the air of heaven. That's 
where I'm going to leave. Y'all get excited about heaven? I'm ready to go, y'all. I'm telling you I am. I prayed for it. Three or four times. Seriously. <laughs> In the darks of the night. Pray, God, don't let me wake up. Take me on home tonight. You been there yet? You live for the Lord, you will be. I promise you. You will be. Was it selfish? Probably was. Still don't change the fact that I want to go. Amen. See, people need to see that you're ready to go home. They need to see that you know that you're eternally secure. It amazes me today how people still struggle with that. I don't get it. Because he says he's written these things that you may know that you have eternal life. I mean, I don't. I know to whom I have believed and I know whom I have saved me. I know that me being born again, my salvation is with him. It wasn't for me. The world didn't give it. The world can't take it. The church can't give it. The church can't take it. Listen, it wasn't founded or the foundation of it or wasn't on the card to which I signed or like that little girl I witnessed to this morning. She said, one of these days I'm going to get baptized and, and I'm going to be all right. I told her she wasn't. And anyway, shared Christ with her. But that's what people believe. And I don't believe none of that stuff. Amen. You know why? Because at the age of 30, I bowed my head in the curve of the road one night and gave my life to Jesus. God, I don't understand it all, but I understand this. You're God. And you don't change. I understand that you love me in spite of who I am, and you're willing to save me if I will repent towards you and place my faith and trust in you and you alone for salvation. And this night, in the curve of this road, at this time in my life, when I give up, didn't care if I seen the next morning, he even thought about suicide that night at 30 years age, and I was there in the middle of that road, and I give it, I'm telling you, 100%, all my heart, all my life, everything that I knew about myself or even wouldn't know about myself, in that day, past, present, and future, based on him, because he's the word of God that does not change, and therefore I give my life to him, and nothing about that night has ever changed, even to this point, this day, 24 years later. I'm just as secure today as I was that night. Even with all the nasty, troubling thoughts that come in my mind, I ask myself, why in the world y'all have them too? Don't even look at me like that. I don't even care if you're old or young. Where'd that come from? How can it be that I'm saved thinking that way? Why is a saved person thinking that way? Oh, I've asked those questions, but I've never questioned my salvation in that. That's a big difference. Do you know? Do you know without a shadow of doubt you died right now and you're still just going to heaven? The Bible says that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in the heart that God has raised him from the dead shall be saved. He's a way to save your life. And anything that the Father but ask me in him alone. The gospel is this. It never gets old to you. You go as long as you want. Whosoever believes in him won't perish but have everlasting life. Y'all believe that? I used to. You still believe that? You're here today and you don't know Jesus and you just saved today. You're here today and you grow cold and different. I have at times in my life. I have. I'm not where I need to be. I ain't gonna stand here and be a hypocrite and say that I am because I'm not. Our sister, but I don't know if I've ever had the drive to share like I do in the inner church. I can't be manufactured. I try, it don't work that way. Because you know, I believe, let me tell you this, and I'm going to close. Y'all with me? Maybe not, but be with me for just a minute. I heard about a church one time, Brother Steve. I did a paper on this church. I was in American Baptist Theological College. A church where there used to be a fruit stand. It went from a fruit stand to a fruit-bearing church. That was the title of my paper. And a group of people got together and they wanted to start a church in the old place called Westland Baptist. From the surrounding churches. And they did that. 
through some of the help of the association, they got a pastor to come here and did. And they began to see people saved and then carpenters cry, some of them pull along and leave some white trailers and white buildings and this that we see now. Here's uh, Billy Hawkins, I think, was a part of that, wasn't he? During that time. Yes, he was. Some of us coming back to you. As I began to write about that paper and share about some things and the history of this church, I'll never forget that there was a man preaching down here by the name of Steve Wilson. Y'all remember him? And he come to me when I was at Mid-America Baptist City. We surrendered the mission field. We thought we was actually going overseas. We was going over the river and didn't know it. <laughs> Just got here. It's a little group of people down in West Elm, Arkansas. I think God can bless. Awesome place. Everybody watch. People are going there and preaching. And you're not going to see me there. I'm going to be Sunday I come here, it was 18 people. The next Sunday there was 22. Missionaries. The first year we seen 18 saved. The second year 22. The third year 20. 
because we had a church that believed and we prayed and we proclaimed and we shared the gospel, it is still changing lives today. Thank you. 